Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Can you hear me okay? All right, good deal. Well, um, man, I... I I, uh, I continue to have to go for these during worship. The Lord is just wrecking me during worship, and it's really good to just worship together with you guys. Um, the Holy Spirit just shows up, and, and uh, things are happening. I'm just so thankful to be a part of this church. I've been here now uh, on staff for 34 years. It's just hard to believe, but uh, I, came, I came here uh, to Springfield in 1987 as the Clark County Jail Chaplain, and uh, a year later, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame. No, I was, I was made an uh, associate pastor in, in June of 1988, so 30, 34 years. And uh, this has been uh, a, great, a great ride. Uh, the congregation has been so good to me. This church family has been my family. And uh, I'm just so thankful for this church. Dennis and I uh, supposedly wrapped a series on uh, union with Christ uh, Sunday before last, before Resurrection Sunday. I did two, two messages, and uh, I was planning on preaching something completely different than what I'm going to share this morning, but the Lord had one more thing to say about union with Christ. And so this morning, we're going to talk about hearing the Lord's voice. That's the title of the message this morning, hearing the Lord's voice, and that's so important because we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that in, in being in union with Christ, uh, that he comes to live inside of us, and then he co- incorporates us into himself. So there's this mutual indwelling of Jesus in us and us in, in, in him, and he says that he is in the Father, and the Father is in him, and they come and they make their home in us. And I just want to uh, share something that I didn't share. From, that was a sermon on John 14, I'm just, this is not, uh, it won't be on here, but just listen to this for a moment as we move into this, this, this subject of hearing God's voice, hearing the Lord's voice. In John 14, Jesus says this, you know, he's, he's about to leave his disciples. He's about to be crucified. Uh, they're not really expecting this, even though he's mentioned it many times. They somehow I think Dennis said this last week, they kind of closed their ears. They refused to hear that their Messiah, their Lord, was going to die. And, uh, and so he keeps telling them, and they're not believing it, they're not listening. And he says, he says I'm, I'm about to go away, but I will come back. And this is what he says to you, I will not leave you as orphans. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I, I will come to you, he says. And then, in, uh, this is John 14, uh, that was verse 18. Verse 20 says this, On that day, the day I come to you, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. There's that that, that oneness, that that union, that closeness. But he also says this in the very next verse, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Jump down to verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey me. Anyone who loves me will obey me. Someone said Jesus' number one love language was obedience is obedience, and I believe that. Anyone who loves me will obey me. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me, my teaching. So it seems like Jesus, in, in his, his 
talking about his union with us and our union with him is very, very interested in our obedience because he's a control freak taskmaster, right? No. You know, some people read that scripture and he's like, if you love me, you obey me. Uh, you know, we only get the words. We don't get the tone. We don't get the nonverbals. You know, 80% of communication is nonverbal. I really believe it sounded something like this to those, those 11 guys that he just loved so much and they loved him. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. You'll keep my words. You'll, you'll, you'll obey me. I really believe that was more the tone of what he was saying. And so Jesus is describing in this passage that we just read both intimacy and obedience lying side by side in this term that Phil Shank taught me, juxtaposition. Two things laying side by side, intimacy, obedience. If you love me and I love you and I'm about to lay my life down for you, you will obey me. Because his obedience is... I mean, obedience to him, everything he wants for us is good. How many of you believe that? Everything that God wants for us, everything that Jesus wants for us, everything the Holy Spirit wants for us is for our good. In fact, there's a scripture in in Romans 8 that says, uh, verse 28, God causes all things, not just the good things, all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, to work together for our good. He loves us. We, we are a child of God. We sang about that this morning. And he's a good God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So Jesus wants us to obey him. Now, a good father, a good savior, <laughs> a good God will want to communicate with us if he's going to ask us to obey him, Right? Listen, I do a lot of, of uh, pastoral counseling and care. Uh, it's not really counseling now. I do more what's called integrated healing. But I, I've, I've talked to so many people who have had bad relationships with their earthly father. And that has caused some kind of a weird filter between them and God. And, and I've, I've heard of several people that said, my dad never communicated with me. But he had expectations on me that I didn't, he never even articulated but held me accountable for. That's child abuse. I'm sorry, but that's just wrong. And so I have to believe that if God wants us to obey him, if, if the Lord wants us to obey him, he's going to communicate with us, right? He's going to speak to us. We're going to be able to hear his voice and, and, and know what he is asking of us. And mostly it's just dependence on him. <laughs> it's just doing life with him, co-laboring with him, just being with him. But he does want to communicate. And so this morning, I, I, in, in hearing the Lord's voice, I'm gonna answer, I want to answer some questions about the Lord's voice, about hearing the Lord's voice. First of all, can we hear the Lord's voice? I mean, we can't see him. I, I know of very few people that he speaks to audibly. It happens occasionally. I've heard of people, in fact, in, in sermon prep, team meeting this this week, uh, one of the people on the team said, I actually heard when I was a young Christian, I heard the Lord's voice audibly. He was speaking to me, called my name, and spoke to me audibly. Well, good for them. I mean, that's awesome. But that's never happened to me. (laughs) That's never happened to me. I hear the Lord's voice, but, but I've never heard an audible voice. I think I'd freak out if I did, but anyway. 
So can we hear the Lord's voice? Should we hear the Lord's voice is a good question. And then if we answer those two questions, yes, can we, yes, and should we, yes, then how? How do we hear the Lord's voice? Because it's really important that if we're going to obey him, that we hear his voice. Maybe you've heard the Lord's voice. Maybe you're not sure if you've heard the Lord's voice. You heard something. You know, a lot of people say, man, Neil, how do you know if it's the Lord or if it's just your own voice in your head or if it's even the enemy, like a deception? Like the Lord may, the, the, the voice may be saying something to you that, that may lead you in a wrong direction. How do you know? Well, here's my short answer to that question. The Lord's voice almost always sounds loving, encouraging, kind, grace-filled, uplifting. When I talk to myself, usually it's because I'm not very happy with me. Or I'm crazy, you know, or both. Um, but I don't often say very kind words to myself when I end up having a conversation with me. It's usually, you idiot, or you know, something like that. Don't quote me on that, please. And the devil is always going to seek to tear down, accuse, condemn, discourage. He's always after you to cause you to feel worthless and less than and condemned. And don't listen to that voice because that is not the voice of, your, of, of the Lord. That's not the Lord's voice. The Lord wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to, to, to give you good things. And, and part of that is speaking good things. So, maybe you've been longing to hear the Lord's voice. You're just like, God, I want to hear you. I want to. Okay, so you, you, you can speak, and, or I, I, I can hear your voice. I should hear your voice. I'm not sure if I hear your voice, but I am longing to hear your voice. If that's you this morning, or you just want to hear more of his voice, I got some really good news for you. Communication, the Lord's communication with you is a priority for him. That's why we have this book right here. If you read, if you read uh, uh, the beginning of 2 Peter, it's, you know, he talks about how this book came to be because the Lord spoke to his, his people in various ways and various signs and various uh, occasions. And we have 40 different authors of this book right here. And God is constantly speaking. Communication with his people is a priority. And so just two quick scriptures that I don't even have to, to look them up because I, I love them so much and I know them by heart. The first is Jeremiah 33.3. And he says this. The Lord says to you, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable, mighty and awesome, however your translation reads, things you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you. That means that if you call, he's going to answer. Like, if, if you call, he's going to pick up the phone. He's going he's to answer you, and he's going to tell you some incredible things. That's the way God is. That's Old Testament, though. Okay, well, is there anything like that in the New Testament? Well, yeah. Actually, there is. In, uh, in Revelation chapter 3, you know, Paul, uh, John is having this incredible revelation. He's having this, this he's... He's, he's having, he's, God is showing him things that, that are eternal. He's showing him things that are to come. He's showing him all kinds of things. And right in the middle of this, he makes this statement. 
And I love the use of the word everyone, or anyone. We find that recurring in really important scriptures. Like, anyone who believes in me, anyone who believes in me, the things that I, I have been doing, the miracles that I've been doing, he will also do in even greater things than these. Anyone. Uh, anyone uh, is, a, is an all-inclusive term. Now listen to this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. What door is he talking about? He's talking about the door of our hearts. I'm standing at your door. This is not just for people who don't know Jesus. In fact, he's writing this to seven churches. I stand at your door and knock. If anyone, if anyone hears my voice, here's my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, in the Jewish culture, having a meal with someone was the most intimate thing you could do besides marital intimacy. It was second and very close to the same thing. That's why the Pharisees were so upset when Jesus was eating after he called Matthew. Matthew throws a party. Jesus goes to the party. He's eating with tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees are losing their minds because this miracle worker is sharing this intimacy with outcasts and the dregs of society in their eyes. He's, he's making himself one with these horrible people. Well, praise God, that's just the way Jesus is. He loves people that struggle and know it. And so he'll come in. And, you know, when you have a meal with somebody, you don't just sit there and eat in silence unless you've been married for, you know, 30 years. And that's how you do it. You know, you go to a restaurant and you just kind of eat and look around the restaurant. But, but otherwise, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, you older folks. You've said it all. There's nothing new to say, right, you know? The other, night, the other day, we were at, uh, Dev and I were at Studebaker, so which shows that we're getting old. Because we're looking around, and there's nobody younger than us in the restaurant. And we're eating, and we're not saying much. And Deb looks at me, and she says, we've become one of them, Neil. <laughs> we finally reached that, that point. I said, be quiet and eat your su- you know, supper. <laughs> But like Dennis and Wes and I have lunch every Tuesday, and for an hour and a half, we're stumbling over each other in conversation. I love these guys. I love meeting with them. We're talking about the church. We're talking about, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, with three of us, as much as we all three like to talk, we can hardly get it all in. But, but that's what eating a meal together is all about, right? Really, communication, intimacy, being together. And so Jesus wants that kind of relationship with us. And so I want to look at John chapter 10 because Jesus has a lot to say about us hearing his voice. I just love this. Let me set this up for you. So Jesus has just healed in John chapter 9. He's just healed a man born blind. From, you know, he was blind from birth. He has just made some mud, you know, some spit and mud. I don't know. I don't like that. But anyway, rubs it on the guy's eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool of Shalom. The dude comes out being able to see. His, his sight is completely restored. And the Pharisees, he's brought to the Pharisees, and they find out that he's healed, that Jesus has healed this man's eyes on the Sabbath of all things. Oh, that's horrible. That's, that, in, in their eyes, is absolute rebellion and sin. And so they, they kind of, you know, they, they're, uh, 
They're, tr- they're looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. The, fair, the religious people, religious people just hate Jesus for some reason. Because their religion is more important than him. And so they're really upset with Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. By the way, he wasn't breaking the Sabbath. He was breaking their rules about the Sabbath. Because they added a bunch of extra stuff to, to the whole thing about the Sabbath. And Jesus told them that. He's like, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And if we want to eat some grain on the Sabbath, or if I want to heal someone on the Sabbath, or cast out a demon on the Sabbath, I'm just setting a person free. In your rules, you say that if, if your ox falls into a ditch or your donkey, on the Sabbath you can get them out. How about, how about healing someone from a debilitating illness or disease or infirmity? Isn't that more important than a donkey or, or a cow? Come on. But religious people are religious people, and they like their rules. And so they confront Jesus, and, and Jesus begins to confront them. And here's what he says, beginning with verse 1 in John 10. Truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. I'm going to explain this in just a moment. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And just in a few moments, Jesus is going to repeatedly say, I am the good shepherd. So he's talking about himself. Now, how are they entering? Well, first of all, what is the sheepfold? I did some research on this. I I honestly had never really delved into this before. And it turns out that the sheepfold that Jesus is talking about is, is the law of Moses. And his people, the Jews, were kept in, in the law of Moses. That it was both for their safety, but it was also very confining. The law, was, the law was protecting them from sin, but it was also putting them in, in a confinement. They weren't free. There was, there, there was really, you know, the, the, the old covenant was, was flawed. It was not a good system of, of relationship with God. And they had to have blood sacrifices and of animals, and they had to have the priests do all the stuff, and, and they, they were not really free. They were protected, but they were also confined by the law. <laughs> Does that make sense? And so these Pharisees are, are not really in the fold because they're, they're adding all these religious rules and stuff. They're ruining the law and what it was meant to do, and so they're the thieves and robbers that Jesus is referring to. So just, just, just get that for a context of what, what's being said here. But I love what he says next. <laughs> the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd. <laughs> Jesus is like, I came through the right way. I, I came here because I love the sheep and I want to take care of them. You, you haven't done that. You've put burdens on them that you can't even carry. But I am the good shepherd. I take care of my sheep. And this is what he says about that. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own by name and leads them out. Now, first of all, just, just hear this. this. This phrase, hears his voice, hears the shepherd's voice, knows his voice, is repeated over and over again throughout this chapter. And I'm going to talk a lot about that. But I want to point out something else here. He calls, two things, he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. So he calls his sheep by name. Shepherds in those days kind of flocked together, no, no, no pun intended, and they each had their own sheep. And they would build these temporary 
uh, fences out of rock. They'd just stack up rocks, and they'd leave an opening, and they actually would lay across the opening. So if a sheep tried to leave, they knew it. They protected the sheep from getting out of the, of the sheep pen. The, but, but when it was time to go, they would call their sheep out of the sheep pen into pasture, into a wide open space where they were supposed to be most of the time. They were supposed to spend most of their time in pasture land eating and, and drinking and having fun, you know, being cheap, and um, not confined in a pen. And, and he, he says he leads them out. That's, he's talking about that he was about to lead his sheep out of the law and into grace, in, out of the old covenant, into the new covenant. That's so beautiful, so full of grace, so, so full, full of the Spirit, so open and free, so different than the law. But he says he calls his own sheep by name. So, so he would build these pens, and when they were calling their sheep out, each sheep knew the voice of his own shepherd. And these shepherds would name their sheep, so they even knew their name. Guys, that's intimacy. Jesus knows your name. Not only is he just going to talk kind of like this. You know, the Sermon on the Mount was kind of like this. You know, anybody that's listening, you know, if, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord, you know, that's not how Jesus is communicating with us now. He's calling your name. He wants a relationship of intimacy with you. Yes, he wants you to obey him, but he wants you to, to co-labor with him in what he's doing. And so he's going to communicate with you. He's going to call your name because he knows you and he loves you. And he wants an intimate relationship with you, not just everybody, with you. And so he says, let me look at verse 10. He's talking about the, the enemy because I've told you before, the enemy hates us and he wants to destroy us. And he's constantly condemning and accusing us. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they, that you might have life and have it to the full. Fullness of life, abundant life. That's what God desires for you. That's what Jesus came to give us. That's what he set us free for. I love that. And so in verse 14, he says this. He says, well, verse 11, I'm sorry. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus has laid down his life for us and for you. <laughs> he died on the cross for our sins and your sin. That bread you, you ate today and that juice you drank today was for our sins and for your sins. He died for your, he paid for your guilt. Jesus paid it all. I heard recently that when Jesus said the words, it is finished, that was another way of saying paid in full. Your sins were paid in full on the cross when he drew his last breath. And you don't owe him anything else. Your debt has been paid. There's nothing to add to that. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. And listen to this. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Isn't that beautiful? I will come in and have an intimate meal with you and you with me if you hear my voice and let me in. Just And I love this. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. 
What? He has known his father intimately for eternity. The father knows the son, and the son knows the father, and now he's extending to us that kind of knowing, intimate, personal relationship with him that he's had with his father for eternity. That is mind-blowing. That is just stunning to me that he would make a, a statement like that, and he makes a lot of statements like that in the Gospel of John. Now listen to this next part. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I have other sheep that have never been a part of the law of Moses, that have never been confined in, in this sheep pen. He's talking about the Gentiles, talking about us, unless you have a Jewish background and lineage. You have never been confined in that sheep pen. And we're the other sheep that he's talking about here. I love it. We're, we're included in this. I must bring them also. Thank you, Jesus. And they too, listen to this, they too will listen to my voice. He wants to speak to you just like he wants to speak to the Jewish nation. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. One flock with one shepherd. Let me just summarize this for you. His sheep know his voice. His sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name they follow him because they know his voice. And in other words, following and obedience are, are really the same thing. They know his voice. They know him. And then let's look at these last three verses in, in, in John 10 that I want to cover today. John 10, 26 through 28. He's talking to the Pharisees again. You do not believe me because you are not my sheep. I hope none of you ever hear those words not to be a sheep of Jesus and by the way let me just say for the record sheep get a bad rap in sermons we talk about them as dumb animals we talk about them as they just follow the the sheep in front of them so they're, they're just you know following each other they're very needy they're very they're very stupid you know, they get down, they can't get back up because they're so heavy and their wool's so thick and all this stuff. Jesus is not talking about us in that way in this, in this, in this scripture. He's, but he, he is talking about him being a shepherd who knows and loves his sheep, but sheep are helpless and dependent on the shepherd. Sheep can't survive without a shepherd. And we can't survive without him. And we were never meant to survive without him. God made us to be in relationship with him. God made us dependent on him. That's just how we're made. And if we don't have a relationship with him, we don't have life. And if we don't, if we don't have a, a, a relationship with him, even if he's in our hearts where we're cultivating this communication, we're listening, we're talking, we're, we're interacting with him, we're missing life the way it was intended to be lived And so if you do not believe, you do, you, not, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I'm going somewhere. They follow me. They're obedient to me, and they're going with me. We're co-laboring together. And, it, and I love this last part. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Guys, when we know Jesus, when we're in a relationship with Jesus, we don't have to fear 
being excluded from the family of God, missing heaven, not having life, because he says, if you know me, and you know my voice, and we have a relationship, then you have eternal life and you'll never perish. Praise God. Death is over for those of us who know Jesus. I hope that if you don't know him yet this morning as your personal savior, if you don't have this intimate relationship with him yet, that you will get that before you leave here this morning. Talk to to Dennis, talk to me, talk to Wes, talk to, we're gonna have the prayer team up here. Talk to someone, let them pray uh, with you so that you can ask Jesus to come into your heart and have that relationship that gives you life eternal so that you will never perish. That is a beautiful promise. But let's go back to the point. My sheep listen to my voice. So how do we know the voice of the Lord? How do we know and how do we hear his voice? Because it's super important to understand this. You know, in the Old Covenant, God spoke to people and he spoke to them often audibly. And he gave them the word of God. And so they had the, the, the special people that the Holy Spirit would come on had the audible voice of God, and then they had the, the written scripture. Like the first five books of the Bible were supposedly written by Moses. Uh, I believe that that's true up until he died, and that's in the first five books. So he couldn't have written that part, right? But, well, maybe he did, who knows? Anyway, but, but, uh, but this book was written for us so that God could speak to us. It says in these last days, in Hebrews 1, he's spoken to us by his son. He's spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the word of God. And so he's come to speak to us. He's come to speak to us and have relationship with us and, 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 and give us his heart. And so how do we hear that? How do we get that now in the new covenant? I remember... Putty Putman, who is a, a friend of our church, he, he was on staff at Central Illinois Vineyard. He started School of Kingdom Ministry, which we ran for years here. And uh, uh, Putty's a great teacher, man of God. And he said there was a time in his life where he just, he, he had read either Bill Johnson or, or Chris Valley or somebody had heard like the audible voice of God in some kind of encounter with God. And he just began to w- long for that. You know, God, I want to hear your audible voice. I want to hear your audible voice. God, please speak to me in your audible voice. And he was praying this for, you know, several days. And he, and he said, the still small voice of God spoke to him. It was Jesus. And he said, you know, buddy, I worked really hard to get myself on the inside of you. Why would I want to speak to you from the outside of you? He's like, I stopped asking for the audible voice of God. Because he spoke to me and said, stop. (laughs) I'm speaking to you in here. The Lord speaks to us in in a lot of ways. Number one, he speaks to us in Scripture. That's what happened this morning. He speaks to us in Scripture. And uh, man, if if you're not interacting with this book, you're missing the opportunity to hear the Lord's voice. And I would really encourage you to read the Gospel of John. If you've, if you've never read the Bible and you want to start, start with the Gospel of John. This book is so powerful. Then I would move on and probably read Mark just to kind of get to know Jesus in, in the Gospel, in, in a synoptic Gospel. There's three Gospels that are very much alike. 
Matthew, Luke, and Mark. John is really different. Same Jesus, different perspective. And then from there, I would probably move to the book of Romans. And, and Dennis and I are about to start a, a series on the book of Romans. And it's not going to, it'll run through, I think, the, the end of June. So I'm, I'm giving you some parameters there. But, but uh, anyway, it's going to be fun just to, to we're going to go through the first eight, eight chapters of that in kind of a survey. We're not going to get really deep, deep, deep into each, each you know, verse, but we're going to give kind of an overview of what the book of Romans is talking about, the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel that God gave to Paul. Just a plug for that. But the Lord speaks uh, in Scripture, and he speaks to us in the inner voice like he did putty. He speaks to us through our brothers and sisters. By the way, I've re- I was with the Lord this morning. I said, Lord, just give me some stuff to share with people this morning. I, I just want to, to them, them to hear you know, from you. And, and so I got these two things that, 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 that the Lord gave me almost instantly. So would you just close your eyes for a moment, and, and I want to share this. So I saw this person. I couldn't make out who it was, and so it's probably you. And... Uh, you were walking along this kind of a dark road, and Satan was right, right there beside you, and he kept handing you bricks. And you'd take a few more steps, and he'd put another brick on, on what you were holding and, and he, until it was like six bricks high. And, and you were holding these bricks, and these were burdens. And, and, and the enemy just kept handing this person another brick without ever taking one away. And these are burdens. And what I, what I felt like the Lord was saying this morning is, uh, as I was listening to him is, I want you just to picture me in front of you. Jesus is saying, I want you to picture me in front of you. Would you just hand me that stack of bricks? That's, that's biblical, by the way. Cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. So would you just, what, all those burdens that you've been carrying, would you just, just in, in your mind's eye, with Jesus' outstretched hands in front of you, would you just hand him those bricks? Don't worry if some of them fall. They're not going to fall on his foot. He's not worried about that. Just hand him those bricks. And just watch what he does with those bricks. Just watch what he does. I guarantee you he's doing something powerful right now with some of you. He's taking away those burdens, and he's dealing with those bricks. And then I also got this. There is some, I'm sorry, I, let me just let that sink in for a minute. I'll come back to this other one, probably at the end of, the, of my message. But just let that sink in for a moment. So he speaks through his word. He speaks through the inner voice. He speaks through brothers and sisters. He even speaks through sermons. <laughs> Believe it or not. He speaks in nature. Like right now, we're watching before our very eyes the resurrection of nature. It's interesting that it comes this time of year, isn't it? Those dead sticks that were sticking up in the, in the air are suddenly putting on foliage and coming back to life. After being dead all winter, suddenly life is springing forth again. It's, it's the story of the resurrection in nature right before our eyes. I see these things all the time. He speaks to us in books. He speaks to us in devotional classics. If we journal, he'll speak to us when we're journaling. 
And guys, when we read this book, this is, you know, the Logos word, but there, there will be times that Scripture will jump off the page and grab you by the throat and say, this is for you. That's when the Logos word becomes what we call the Rhema word, a word in season for you expressly. Jesus will speak to you through this book specifically. So what, what do we do with this? What, what do we do with what I'm talking about this morning? One of my mentors, a guy named Rick Evans, who founded the, the Cleveland Vineyard, uh, anytime I was in a conference, he would almost always say, when he was speaking, he would almost say these two things. God always shares his secrets with his friends. God always shares his secrets with his friends. If you want to be a friend of God, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If you'll draw near, he wants to whisper his secrets to you. And the second thing that Rick would say is, get to the quiet places so you can hear the voice of God. Get out of the, the, you know, the, the chaos and get to the quiet places so you can hear the voice of God. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you haven't done this yet, establish a quiet place and a quiet time where you can go and be with the Lord regularly. For me, it's between 7 and 9 in the morning, most mornings. And I love that time now. It, it took some discipline to, to, keep, to keep going there. It took some discipline to develop some of the habits that I've developed in my quiet time. But, but now it's, it's my favorite time of, of any given day. It's just to get along with the Lord. In, my, in, in the guest room in our house, I've got this big fluffy recliner. I don't recline it. I just, I, I, I'd go to sleep if I did. But I have, I have tables on either side of me. I have, I have devotionals. I have my Bible. I have my journal. I have my devotional and, uh, books. And, uh, and I just spend time with him in the quiet place listening for his voice. I, I, I want to share something with you. Um, speaking of journaling... Uh, I think last time I spoke, I told you that I was really struggling with the sermon. And one of the things that happened is I forgot, I forgot, I, I picked up the wrong set of notes. And I, I didn't realize till the end of the sermon that I didn't have my notes that I had prepared for the morning. Listen to what the Lord said to me about an hour and a half before I preached. Because I was freaking out that morning. I got up and I felt like I had nothing. I'm like, God, I have to say something intelligent to 150 people in, in a couple of hours or less than two hours, and I got nothing. If you don't come through, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so this is what the Lord said to me that morning. He said, and he threw my words from my last sermon back in my teeth. He says, Neil, here he called my name, said my name, called me by name. You can't, but I am more than able. Lose your sermon. Get lost in the, in, in the, in the content Lose your sermon. I lost my sermon. It was sitting over there on a chair. <laughs> Share your heart. Don't give them canned fruit cocktail. Serve them fresh fruit from my throne. Put aside your notes. I didn't mean to, but he made it to me anyway. And let, them, and, and let me take over your mouth as you communicate through your heart. That is my abode. In other words, I'm abiding you. Let, let me just speak out of your heart. It's no longer uh, you over here needing my help. I am in you to live through you. 
Now is the time to trust me completely. You can't, but I can, and I will this morning. Whatever happens, trust me completely. That's, that's what he said to me. As his sheep that was needy and, and couldn't do it, and, and, and he, he came through. So I would really encourage you to get that quiet place, that quiet time, get your Bible. I would encourage you to journal, man. It's write out you know, questions, prayers, listen to the Lord, write out what you feel like he's saying. And other, again, he'll say something encouraging to you. And he will tell you awesome things that you, you do not know. I want to I share something else. I love devotional classics. I love devotional classics. And um, 35 years ago, I picked up Streams in the Desert. When I moved to Springfield, I picked up this little devotional. It's a devotional classic written in the 1930s by a, 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 the wife of a famous missionary. This book has been food to me every day. For 35 years. I've, I've hardly ever missed a day of reading this book. If I do miss a day, I go back and read, you know, yesterday's and today's. But I always try to read through this every year. And it never fails to speak specifically to whatever I'm dealing with. It's just awesome how anointed this little book is. Streams in the Desert by, by uh, her, name is Cal, her last name is Calman. This book was, Jesus Calling was written in 2004, so it's fairly new, you know, fairly new in terms of, of like, like 1938, that's a devotional classic. This has already become a classic since 2004. It's Jesus speaking to us, and I want to read what he said through Jesus Calling this morning. Felt like he was speaking to me. It's the, every, every one of these entries is Jesus speaking to you. Rest, rest in the stillness of my presence while I prepare you for this day. I needed to sit down and rest. I took the time to sit in my big chair and pull this over and read what he was speaking to me. Rest in the stillness of my presence while I prepare you for this day. Let the radiance of my glory shine upon you as you wait on me in confident trust. And he said something he's been saying for me to me for probably about 15 years, be still and know that I am God. There is both a passive and active side to trusting me. As you rest in my presence, focus on me. I quietly build bonds of trust between us. There it is, the good shepherd. When you respond to circumstances of your life with affirmation of trust in me, you actively participate in this process. I am always with you, so you have no reason to be afraid. <laughs> yeah, that's God. That's Jesus right there speaking. And then the last one is a book called Divine Romance. It's written by Brian, Brian Simmons. He, he wrote the Passion Translation. 365 days of meditating on the Song of Songs. Uh, excellent, excellent stuff. This is very, very intimate. You ladies will get probably more out of this than us guys because somehow this might threaten our masculinity. But men's group has always told me I'm a little bit overdeveloped in my feminine side anyway. So, uh, they, they, you know, I used to scrapbook back in the day with my wife, and that wasn't cool for men's group. But anyway, I love this book. It's deep intimacy with Christ. He's speaking to us as his, as his, as his uh, lover, you know, as, as the one who, who he's in love with. And he's in love with you. Jesus is in love with you. So... Find a quiet place. 
Find a time that works for you. Get your Bible. Get a journal. Find a, a journal that you really love. And then get one of these devotional classics or get two of them or get all three of them. I'd encourage all three. I, I just They only take a couple minutes to read, but there's so much richness and food there, and it just... It's just soothing to the soul. It just it brings encouragement. Man, so many times I wake up in the morning feeling like refried garbage. The enemy's attacking. He's accusing. Look what you did yesterday. Look what you didn't do yesterday. You're a scumbag. Oh, really? You know? That's not God's voice. And then I get up and I read this stuff. I read his word and I, I, I read these devotional classics and I journal. And then he tells me of his love. He speaks directly to me. Guys, you got to experience that. And then he'll tell me to do something. Like this morning, he, he gave me some, some words to, to share. That's it. That's all I got. Let the Lord speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to communicate with you so that you'll know his heart and you can walk in obedience with him. I have one more word. Dennis, can you come on up? Dennis is going to lead us in, in some ministry time here. But I have one more word. And this is what the Lord spoke to me right as I, just before I left to come over to the church. There is someone here, and you have a secret that no one else knows about. And it is causing you deep shame. And it dogs your every step. You can't shake the guilt and the shame. And Jesus is saying to you, I see that thing, and I love you, and I forgive you, and I already died for that. Give it to me. I cancel any and all guilt and condemnation by my blood that we celebrated in communion this morning. Receive my total forgiveness, grace, and unfailing love. You are forgiven. I don't know who that's for, for, but someone here needed to hear that this morning. I'm convinced of it. Dennis, go ahead, brother. Uh, As Neil was speaking, I really, really felt that God is really taking some of you on your spirit to really start doing this quiet time. You have never done it or maybe you've tried in the past and you failed and you kind of let it drift. He's actually, I, you know who I'm talking to. You, you just know that you, he's been talking to you about it. He's been nagging, nagging you, kind of ta- tapping onto your, like tagging you, like on your spirit to really withdraw from your regular activities and routine. He wants you to make this interruption in your routine to create a space and time just to be there with him. I hope you're, you're hearing me. Whoever you need, whoever it is, it's like it's, he speaks to you personally now. He says, I'm calling you into this relationship with me, but answer me. Make a room and space and you will come to know how real I am. Yeah. Get, a, get, a, get a journal. And here's the thing, another thing that I felt Learn to formulate, articulate important questions. Like something that really bothers you, but you didn't really put it into words yet. Learn to put it into clear words as a question. And then bring this question into the presence of the Lord and address it to Him. Within one week you will hear, you will know exactly the answer to this question. You will know exactly what to do or what it is that bothers you. That's a promise of the Lord. But you have to make this time and space to interact with him. Yeah. So those are two things for me, for you guys. I had just two quick things as well. When you were 
when you were talking about um, when you wake up and you have all this bombardments of attack from the enemy. And I mean, honestly, like I know some of this relates to like, we're even attacked during the night, like you're having terrible dreams, um, you know, and it's, it's like unrelenting. Um, the Lord wants to give you rest and his presence is rest. Um, but I, I know, I, okay, so this is sort of a little bit like a personal um, sort of testimony, but during this whole time, I know I've talked about uh, chicken pox, yeah, but I was quarantined for like 11 days or 12 days or something, like literally by myself in a room. And, you know, I'm just doing whatever, just watching movies, just like playing video games, just like trying to pass the time, itching like crazy. And I would go into the bathroom and I would, I, you know, I'm wearing very little clothes because I'm so itchy and stuff. And I would just look at myself in the mirror and I'm just covered in this disease <laughs> and I look like crap. And I just see myself and I literally would hear a voice that says, you're a piece of S word. <laughs> just hear it in my head. Or, or you, like, you're, I would hear, you're not worthy. Like I would, I would hear these words and I'm like, what is this coming from? And then I would realize it's like, I haven't been with Jesus <laughs> to hear the opposite, to hear the truth, right? So I start feeling this and then I start absorbing it like it's true. And I just start getting depressed, right? And I think some of you may have be dealing with this right now, where it's like self-hatred. But the thing is, you're just, you're just believing lies of the enemy and they're not true. And so if you get to the quiet place, you'll hear the truth, I promise you. But our area pastor coordinator, the, the new area pastor coordinator for our area, um, I forget, actually, I literally forget his name, but at the last meeting we had, which was at our church, we hosted it. He gave us four simple questions for quiet time with Jesus. Um, and I'm going to give them to you. And if you want these for your quiet time to sort of step into it, please come to me and I will totally let you type these down. Um, so the first question is, how do I come today? How do I come? What's my heart posture? What are my circumstances? Um, how am I feeling? Exactly. Number two is what do I desire in this moment from this? Um, and then read one scripture. And a lot of times these devotionals that he pointed out will actually have scriptures attached to them. So I recommend if you're not used to finding a scripture, don't rush and roulette the Bible. <laughs> um, read, like, choose one of these, choose a day, and then read the scriptures that are attached to it. Um, this, the third question is, how I have I experienced Jesus today? And the fourth question is, how do I believe that Jesus experienced me? And this can take five minutes or it can take two hours because of what God speaks. Uh, but it's just a sort of a, te- a, a small template to get your foot in the door. So I just want to encourage you guys in that. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.